first edition of the Blood Walk. But I want to tell you first what a Blood Walk is. And I'll give it to you by another name. It is the cross. It is the crucifixion of the inward man. It is what... It is by far and away the greatest gift ever given to mankind was the journey of the cross. Greatest gift ever given. Yet very, very, very few have ever taken God up on his prospect of the cross. To go there for yourself. To learn for yourself the cross. To where you're not relying on some preacher who's never been there, never had a vision, never had a visitation. He's learning everything and he's given everything uh, he knows from the perspective of another man, but not from the perspective of the living God, not from the perspective of the word, not from the perspective of the covenant. And the covenant, the true covenant which Yahshua came to bring, has never been received by any nation. And, and rarely, if ever, has it ever been received by any, by any people whatsoever. Because the covenant of the living God that Yahshua came to bring is not the Christian New Testament. The Christian New Testament is the gospel that Yahshua was referring to in Matthew 24 when he said false anointed ones would rise up. When he said false teachers would rise up. When he said false prophets would rise up and deceive many. There are a multitude of very sincere liars that permeate Christianity. They're not lying because, uh, because they're trying to deceive you. They are lying because they are already deceived as to what the gospel is. Now, when you go into Christianity and you can flip on the TV anytime you want to and go to a Christian station to where they're leading somebody in uh, what you might call the sinner's prayer or they're leading him into salvation, and all they do is quote from the book of Romans, if you believe in your heart, so on and so forth, you know, that Yahshua was crucified, that he died, that he rose from the dead, boom, now you're saved. And I'll tell you what, get used to it, people, because I'm going to call it what it is, bullshit. And no way, no way in God's heaven does that constitute salvation. doesn't have a single thing to do with it. Not one single thing. If you want to understand what salvation truly is, you've got to go back to Genesis. You've got to go back to Adam and Eve. You've got to take a look at the mechanics of what happened in the garden. And you've got to take a look at what would salvation be from the perspective of Adam and Eve. Here they are. They've been banished from paradise. They've been barred from the tree of life. And boom, here they are. They have been... Um, they have descended into the death realm, into the realm of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. This is the death realm. It's not the realm of life. It is not the realm of truth. It is a realm of good and evil, which is always going to be an eternal struggle. There is no escape. Sometimes evil will win. Sometimes good will win. But life is not present in either struggle. Do you understand? Let me explain it to you. 
Let's take a brief look at what happened in the garden with the serpent, all right? Let's just take a look at the mechanics of this so you can understand really what, what's happening throughout the entire Bible, all right? Adam and Eve are seduced. They're told by the serpent, and the serpent speaks these words concerning the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Yea, hath God said, yea, hath God said, if you eat from this tree, you'll die. And he goes on to accuse God of lying to Adam and Eve when he says, but I tell you, no, you'll not die if you eat from it. So what do they do? They believe the lie. They believed a lie that they would not die if they transgressed the one and only commandment of the living God. Don't eat from that tree, and the day you do, you will die. The serpent convinced them that that right there, in the day you eat from this tree that you'll die, the serpent convinced them that this was a lie. They believed that, they acted upon it, they ate from the tree anyway, in spite of what God had said to them. They ate from the tree instantaneously, they died. It did not take 960 years for Adam to pass away. He died instantly in his soul because the Holy Spirit was removed from him. The spirit of truth, people. The Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. And the spirit of truth was severed from Adam and Eve in the moment they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Why did the truth disappear from them? because they believed the lie and acted upon it. They used their faith for the lie. Faith is a double-edged sword. You can use it for good or you can use it for evil. But the true faith, the true faith that Yahshua came to believe is the conviction, the conviction of the truth. It's not just going out there and, and, and putting your faith to getting a new car, to getting a new boat to getting a better job, to getting a better bank account, uh, to getting better things. That's not faith. That is not faith. True faith is the conviction of truth, and there is only one truth, and that is the word of the living God. What Yahshua said, Father, sanctify them in the truth. Thy word is truth. Okay, back to the Garden of Eden. Adam and Eve, they eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They're banished from paradise. They are barred from the tree of life. A great flaming sword bars them from the tree of life. Boom, they are cast down. They're cast down and they're cast out. They're driven out of paradise. Now I ask you this, what would salvation be to Adam and Eve? But let's take this a little further. What did Adam and Eve receive in lieu of the tree of life? When they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and they lost the spirit of truth and they were cast out of paradise, they were cast out of the kingdom of heaven down to the kingdom of the world, the kingdom of men, the kingdom of death. The realm of the knowledge of good and evil is the realm of death. Are you following this? Again, what would salvation be to Adam and Eve? When they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, instead of having the word of God as their literal consciousness, 
Their consciousness, their soul was the Word of God. They lost that. And in lieu of that, they received what we call the conscience, that little governor that sits in your mind that tells you this is good or this is evil. Now, the thing about the conscience is it's totally subjective. It's not governed by the Word of God. It's not governed by that. It's totally subjective. You take a look at the liberal Democratic Party, and they believe it's good to overthrow the president of the United States. They believe it's good to uh, eliminate all borders from your nation. They believe it's good to murder babies in the womb. They believe that's a good thing, all right? Yes, these people are totally deceived. Yes, they're totally corrupted. Nevertheless, their conscience is not convicting them that abortion is a bad thing, that murder is a, that the murder of an innocent child is a bad thing. It doesn't convict them of that. Why? Because it's subjective. This is absolutely, totally different from the Word of God being your conscience, from the Word of God being your consciousness, all right? Again, what would salvation be to Adam and Eve? That's an easy question. It would be restored to the paradise of God. Salvation to Adam and Eve would be access again to the tree of life, to where when they eat of that tree, they will live forever. It's exactly what it says. We need to bar the way from. Uh, we need to bar the way to the tree of life from Adam and Eve, lest they eat of it and they live forever in their fallen death state, lest they live forever in this realm of the knowledge of good and evil, and there is no way out. So there was no way out. Mankind was eternally trapped in the death realm. There was no way out of it until until the arrival on the scene of Yahshua, the Messiah. All right, now then, folks, it was going to take a whole lot more than just forgiving Adam and Eve of their sin in order to um, get them back into the paradise of God, back into the kingdom of heaven, back to the tree of life. It takes more than just a Band-Aid on their crimes, more than just whitewashing transgression. That's not how it works. In order to get back into heaven, the spirit of man, the soul of man has to be absolutely pure. And there is only one way for man to purify his soul, and that is to receive the word of truth, to receive the word of life like a seed, planted in your inmost being. And what the word, what the, what the word of life, what the word of God, what the word of truth does, when it is implanted in your soul, when it is implanted in your inward being, is it begins to consume the soul of Adam. Yahshua said, if you would save your life, if you would save your soul, you must lose it. But if you would gain your soul, if you would find your life, you must lose it for my sake and the gospel, and then you're going to find it. You're going to find the soul 
of Yahshua. This is what he is offering to mankind, his own soul, his consciousness to dwell within them. And what is the consciousness of Yahshua? It was the Father. It is the Word. It is the milthah of the living God is the consciousness of Yahshua. And it will become your consciousness. Your consciousness. Now, I know I kind of got off the track a little bit there, but this is really, really exciting. And I tell you people, the journey of the cross is so beautiful. It is so magnificent. It is so precious. It is so high that you are literally transfigured there on the cross. And this is not the wooden cross, people. This is a cross of your soul. And it is composed of the pure white light of truth, of truth, the truth of creation, the truth of the creator, the truth that is the living God. It is absolute and all-consuming. Reflect on the words of John the Baptist when he meets Yahshua. I must decrease, but you must increase. I'm going to decrease, Yahshua, but you're going to increase. Now bring that word on home. Bring it on home. All right? When you meet Yahshua, when you meet him, when you really meet him, you are going to decrease and he is going to increase within you. However, it is necessary to follow his instructions. His instructions, not the instructions of a man, not the instructions of a preacher, not the instructions of an evangelist, not the instructions of any flesh and blood, but the instructions of the living God. The instruction of the living God is what is going to get you back to the kingdom of heaven, back to paradise, back to the tree of life, the tree of eternal life. So let's just recap and nutshell this a little bit. What destroyed Adam and Eve? Believing a lie and acting upon it, and it killed them. What is going to restore Adam and Eve? Believing the truth and acting upon it. All right? It's very simple. Once you see the mechanics, a lie had been deposited into the spirit of Adam and Eve. Again, they acted upon that lie. It killed them. The exact opposite, when they act upon it, will begin to restore them to life. But they must act upon the word of truth. All right. The word of truth. The word of truth. And here is the dilemma of Christianity because they do not have the word of truth. I'm not trying to beat you up, Christian. I'm really not. But I've got to tell you something. You've got to take the whole word and not just cherry pick what you want out of the word. You can't cherry pick. You've got to take it as a whole. You've got to have the big picture. You've got to have the little picture. So what does the Bible, what does the anointing define as truth? Because you need to know this. 
You have to know it. Or you're going to be playing around with words of fantasy. You've got to have the rock-solid truth. And what is that according to the Word of God? Let me quote David. Let me quote the first Messiah King of Israel. Now, second. Saul was first, but he lost the anointing because he transgressed continually. He lost the anointing. God was displeased with Saul. He gave the anointing to David, a man after his own heart. And what did David say concerning the truth? Thy Torah is the truth. Thy law is the truth. So then, this is the dilemma for the Christian. They want to say, well, Yahshua is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, we just need, need to follow him. And that's absolutely true. However, you need to follow what he said. You need to follow what he said, Christian. He said the Torah would never pass away. He said the law was not going to pass away. He said heaven and earth would pass away before anything like that ever happened. So, Christian, you got yourself a dilemma. You need to look outside your, 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 your front window and say, gee, is the earth still here? Gee, is heaven still here? Well, if it is, so is the Torah. So is the law. You can't get rid of it just because some guy told you that it was made null and void at the cross. You need to go before the living God and ask him, oh, gee, heavenly father, have you nullified your Torah? Have you nullified your law? Have you nullified the book of Genesis? Have you nullified the book of, of Exodus? Have you nullified Numbers, Deuteronomy? Have you nullified these things, oh God? Because, Christian, you are obligated to go seek him. You don't go seek a man about these things. You seek the living God. He is the truth. If you want truth, you seek his face on these things. You don't go ask people. The apostle John said, You have no need that any man should teach you, for you have an unction. You have the anointing of the Holy One, and the anointing is the Spirit and the Word of truth. Yahshua defined it. He defined the Holy Spirit as a spirit of truth. The anointing is the spirit of truth. The anointed one, the Messiah, is the manifested word of truth. Now think on that for a little bit. Think on that. Let's briefly take a look at the concept of Christianity, that the Torah was nullified at the cross. Oh, my gosh. Um, and, and I wonder, and I wonder, Christian, have you ever really thought about that? Do you even know what the Torah is to make such a bodacious, outlandish claim that it was nullified at the cross? Yahshua said, the Torah and the prophets prophesied until John, which means that now the Torah the Torah prophesies. The law prophesies. Think about that. Now, if you know what the Torah is, I'm going to tell you, Christian, it does not begin midway through the wilderness in the book of Exodus. That is a bald-faced lie. If that is what you are believing, that is a bald-faced lie. Open the book and read it for yourself. The Torah is called also the Pentateuch. <laughs> Excuse me. The Pentateuch is the five books of Moses. Genesis, 
Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. That's what they call it. All right. So the law, five books of Moses. All right. Guess what, people? That means that the Torah begins at Genesis 1.1. That means that the seven days of creation, as Yahshua said, the Torah prophesies. The seven days of creation prophesy. They are a prophecy. Grab a hold of that because that is exactly what the Son of God said they were. They said they are prophesying. Are you trying to tell me that Genesis was nullified at the cross? Are you trying to tell me that the whole Noah's flood was nullified at the cross? That the life of Abraham, who is in the Torah, was nullified at the cross? Think about these things. Are you trying to tell me, Christian, that the Ten Commandments, which are in the Torah, were nullified at the cross? That the word of truth, that the wisdom of God... The Torah is called the wisdom of God. The Torah is also called the truth. Are you trying to tell me, Christian, that the truth was nullified at the cross? That's why I say, people, you hear these things and you just accept them. You just accept them because it's coming from uh, the echo chambers of Christianity. And you just accept it without really thinking about it. But you have an obligation before God to seek his face on whatever you hear in a church, on whatever you hear from a preacher. If you're going to act on it, you'd better seek God first and get his perspective on it, to get his counsel on it. And that's why I say, Christian, if you want to find out for sure, if you want to truly know whether or not that the Torah was nullified at the cross, then you need to seek the face of the living God and ask him about it. And I guarantee you he's going to say, absolutely not. It is as viable today as it was when I said light be and light is. It is as viable today as it was on the first day of creation. Nothing has changed. That is not what changed at the cross. That's not what changed. That is not what happened at the cross, nor was the cross only about the forgiveness of sin. I'm going to tell you what the cross is all about, people, and why it is so beautiful and so majestic and so magnificent and so powerful as to utterly transfigure you while you are hanging there between the cross beams. Because what happens at the cross is that the source, the very source of sin is obliterated. The lie is exposed and obliterated as the, as the light of the living God is shine upon that lie. It just disintegrates before your very eyes. It is the most phenomenal and amazing thing. But this takes place over a period of time. You've got a whole nice, magnificent journey to take from Gethsemane, which is a travail that you will receive from the Holy Spirit. It begins with travail, and it ends when you are finally caught back up into paradise. When you are finally caught back up to paradise and Yahshua himself will take you to the tree of life, that is the gospel. That is the good news. Paradise restored. The tree of life 
restored to you access to the tree of life given to you while you have boots on the ground, not while, uh, not within moments after everybody buries you six feet deep in the earth. That is not the gospel. The gospel is to obtain the tree of life with boots on the ground. And the only way you can do that is through the blood walk, through the cross walk. You have got to become so merged, so blended with the Son of God that you don't know <laughs> you don't know where you begin, you end where he begins and he ends. He is the Alpha and the Omega. And you are going to be united with him in your spirit, in your soul, in your heart, and in your mind. You are going to share the same consciousness as Yahshua did. This is a phenomenal thing. It is a magnificent thing if you could only if you could begin to imagine what it is like, what it, it what he went through. Peter said, "If you will fellowship in his passion, if you will fellowship in his sufferings, you shall also fellowship in his glory." But you've got to fellowship in the sufferings. You've got to partake of his passion. You've got to partake of his sufferings, and that takes place, people between Gethsemane and Calvary. That's where you're going to find the true sufferings of the Messiah. And if you are willing to endure that gauntlet, the gauntlet of the blood walk, if you are willing to endure this, you will be catapulted to the tree of life by Yahshua himself. I testify to you that this is truth. This is truth. This is truth because I've been there.